Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Oh my goodness, we got to tell you a little bit about our guest coming on the show today, Michael O'Neill from basically everything you've ever watched on TV. It's so true. I yeah, mean, some, some and and in film. I yeah. mean, this guy, West Wing, Grey's Anatomy. He's that guy. He's the guy who shot McDreamy. <sighs> But he's also the guy who protected the president. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Kind of balances out. <laughs> right? And, of course, the unit and, I mean, so many things. And his brand new show, Council of Dads, which we're super excited to talk to him about. And Transformers. Yeah. Dallas Buyers Club. A I lot mean, of shit. Yeah. Michael O'Neill. And we can't leave out. Guys, we're going to find out the importance of the stash. Yeah. To his career. Exactly. Exactly. Some people are notable from the mustache, and this is definitely one of those guys. It's true. Oh, my goodness. But you get to hear a little bit more about the stash later on in the episode. But now, let's get started with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, episode 107 this week. I can't believe 107. I know. We're, we're like almost two months past the big 100th episode I already. Know. Like, this year is just flying. Thanks, Corona. I know. Thanks, Corona. <laughs> Freaking. I saw a meme on Facebook. It was like a slide that's going normal, and then 2020 hits, and it goes straight down. Yeah. It's, like, it, it's crazy. This year is going to fly by because we're all going to stay inside. No, it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah, man, but it's crazy. And, of course, your host for this episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm and, of course, all the other episodes of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm, ourselves, myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouth. What's up? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And we got more to talk about. Uh, we're barely talking about the coronavirus this week. We, it's true. We After the show two weeks ago, we were like, okay, we got to stay away from this shit because it's depressing. It's like, it sucks. It sucks. So we tried to stay as back to regular scheduled programming as much as possible. Yeah, and we got lucky. There was actually a lot going on in the industry th this week that yeah. didn't have anything to do with corona. Thank so, goodness. Like, thank goodness, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But yeah, we're talking about Canada. I mean, who doesn't mm. love Canada? Mm. One of the nicest places on earth. <laughs> um, of course, Disney, ABC, Hulu, Warner Media. Oh my goodness. And the top five this week is top five all-time DC superheroes. Yes. I am not privy enough to know <laughs> the mouse over here, so I mean, I'm going to find out later on in the episode. I've been guessing all day. It's true. I still I kept, don't fucking know. I kept my number one a secret. Yeah. I, I, I was... Uh, still no, 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 no guess? I have no idea. Interesting. I know. I know. If you saw our weekly address, I was fucking still trying to figure it out, but <laughs> did not do it. But you see my Warner Media Funkos over here. I got... I mean, Phoebe Buffay as Superwoman, so I feel like that counts from Friends. And then I got, I, we believe it's George Clooney's Batman. Yeah, yeah. And then I got Birds of Prey's Black Canary, and of course Tom and Jerry. Who doesn't love Tom and Jerry? Right. Right. Exactly. But yes, man, it's going to be an exciting episode. But before we get this thing started, you know we got to plug our merchandise website, crazyantmedia.com. We're trying to drive more people to our website. So Absolutely. Be sure to click on that link. We'll have it in the description below. And you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Are you looking for a gift for your significant other, friend, family member, anything like that? Crazy Ant Media has you covered. We are looking into bonks. 
boxers. Yes, so, bunk boxers. Exactly. So be sure to stay tuned for those. But right now, <laughs> we have the outside apparel ready to go. We have tank tops, shirts, hats, sweatshirts, anything that you need during this quarantine. We got you. It's true. Yeah. You know what the hats are perfect for? What? Covering up gray. Yeah. You, you can't know. see it. You can't see it. I'm okay, though. I'm okay. I'm going to okay. just tell you, I'm embracing the gray. That's for good. you guys watching, you can't really see because I got my hat and stuff on, but the gray is like fully coming. Yeah. I, I look like Reed fucking Richards on the side <laughs> now. My beard is getting some gray in it. It's okay. That's fine. It's all right. I'm embracing the gray. That's fine. Yeah, I've decided during the quarantine to just fuck it. Let it all grow. Yeah, let just, the hair just, grow. Like I know. You know, I usually shave mine, but I just that's a fuck it. Just let it grow. Embrace right? the gray. Exactly. It's corona. Everybody's going to yeah. look crazy yeah, after this. Yeah, it's corona fashion like, right you know i just you know it is what it is it is what it is oh i love that haircut what's the style covid 19 covid 19 <laughs> oh my Fuck. goodness but yes we teased it earlier canada film and television production yes hollywood's location shooting in canada hit a new high in 2019 it's true uh the total four and mostly u.s film and television in canada last year rose one 151 million in spending. Whew, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, you know, this has always been a mecca, though. Yeah, you know, I mean, they've always sure. done the entire Arrowverse is shot in Canada. Yeah, um, with the Riverdale. Of, with like, the, yeah. I should say, with the exception of Black Lightning. Oh, Black Lightning's actually shot in Georgia. Okay. So, but the rest of the Arrowverse is in Vancouver. You know, it's always been shot there. And like you said, Riverdale, just like damn it, all the Hallmark movies are yeah, shot in Canada. Right. Like, um, just so it's always been a big mecca. But yeah, to break its own record, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, seriously, man, seriously. And I mean, I mean, three point two percent more than usual. Yeah, basically, movie production in twenty nineteen jumped by. Wow, this is a huge number. Two hundred forty five million. That's fifteen point seven percent. So I mean, you know, it's all about the numbers in Hollywood, especially the entertainment industry. Yeah, so. and to just give you a clue, I mean, the biggies that it chapter two, mm. Midway, X Men, Dark Phoenix, all shot in Canada. Damn. So there you go. I mean, that that's some biggies that was pumping a lot of money in there. Yeah, seriously, I mean, seriously, that's a lot of big names, and a lot of people are giving Midway some crap. I mean, the critics did not like it, but I mean, going through social media, a lot of people during the quarantine been watching this film and say it's pretty good you saw it i saw it i was one of those who didn't like it really uh, well only only in the sense i don't think it was a bad film nothing yeah. against the actors or anything love mandy Moore and all that but i i just it's almost an exact remake of the original nah. almost frame for frame and i just you yeah. know if you saw the original you're like mm-hmm, this is exactly the same as the original so yeah. you know I was kind of hoping for a little bit different take on it yeah. or something. That, that's all. But it's a good movie. The cast is great. Yeah. But I mean, during, of course, all of this COVID-19 pandemic, it slammed the Canadian production sector, uh, uh, shuttering all the U.S. film and television shoots in Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal, and uh, sending a lot of anxious Americans back across the border to their hometowns and where they live. So. Yeah, because it's all shut down now. and. You know, will they be fleeing back? You know, I'm sure they will. Of you know, course, they're gonna yeah, they're I gonna ramp so up production again after it's all over with, and we promise that's gonna be the only COVID we talk about. Right, like right. Exactly. But, I mean, we had to do it because they broke the record, but now they're not filming. Yeah. So <laughs> it is what it is, man. It is what it is. But uh, some happy news for Disney: the Mouse yes. House yes. Uh, this week made another substantial land purchase near Disney World. It means they're probably gonna expand their area like, yeah more I, I than mean, epcot more than all this shit this is crazy to me because back in december of course that was before 
that thing we're not going to talk about. They bought 235 acres of land. Yeah. This one only 23.6 acres. But uh, still, I mean, you add that up, that's almost 300 acres of land that yeah. they've bought. Like, And what's interesting about this one, though, is that they bought it while they're all the things are shut down and uh, no revenue is coming yeah. in. So they're still spending money. So interesting. Yeah, right? they're still moving towards the future, it seems like. But, I mean, if you think about it, so many notable franchises that they probably want to make their own world. I mean, we talked about possibly Marvel World and uh, Star Wars World and all this shit. Like, they possibly want to move to Florida that they already have in Los Angeles. So. It is what it is. It is. I mean, it's it's a brave move, but you know, got to got to do it. Yeah, keep trying to move forward. Go Bob. Go Bob <laughs> Chappick, not Bob Iger. Yes, and I was really excited to read about this one. I, I was super stoked for this because I am a huge fan. Still trying to get this one to watch it. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I mean, our plates are full, so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you some slack. But Preach. talking about for life, uh, Joy Bryant. I'm a huge Joy Bryant fan. If you guys loved her on Parenthood, and I mean, just so many things she's been in. Um, but this this is a fantastic show, and apparently a lot of people are watching it now on streaming and other platforms. Makes sense. Um, they go back and watch it. You guys know Nielsen tracks these things now for after, you know, so many days after when they're watched on DVRs or on streaming or whatever. And For Life is now 35 days delayed viewing. So they're taking these numbers after 35 days. It uh, Their premiered episode grew to 86 million total viewers um and an increase of 5.4 million total viewers here's the crazy thing though a 242 percent jump amongst adults 18 to 49 that and that's the key demo yeah 18 exactly. to 49 it's the biggest playback increase for any new broadcast mid-season debut scripted or unscripted this season yeah so it's it's kicking ass in the after game yeah um which it's a brilliant show. You guys should definitely check it out. It, you know, it's based on a true story, but it's basically this guy who was framed and in prison got convicted for life, and he became a lawyer behind bars, and now he's trying to work to get himself out by showing that the DA and the police that you know put him in there were corrupt. Yeah. So really interesting, fascinating story. Fifty Cent. Yeah. Is executive producer on this thing, and he's in it now. You know, because he, he, he acts. You know, so um, if Joy Bryant and Fifty Cent ain't reason enough to watch it right i mean you should do it exactly exactly it seems pretty popular so far and i mean that goes back to some of the interviews we had especially most recently with uh kevin l johnson you'll hear that interview next week on inside the crazy Ant yeah. farm episode 108 uh we talked about possibly getting rid of cable network shows all together and it all being streaming well this shows right here that more people are watching the shows on streaming yeah, uh, that's that's an excellent point. I think, you know, and to their credit, I think CBS All Access really kind of figured that out yeah. before everybody else. You know, they started putting their actual network shows on CBS All Access, and to promote CBS All Access, they were putting CBS All Access shows on network. Yeah, exactly. Just to kind of show you, hey, hey, we've got this over here. And so they were a little bit ahead of everybody else. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, I think that's the way to go. If, if it is going to go all streaming, I mean, when you add it all up, it's even if you have all the streamers, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, all that, you're basically going to be paying for what you were paying for your cable bill. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Exactly. Way 
weigh the differences, like weigh what's best and what's worse. You know, gotta do what you gotta do. You got especially to. in this entertainment game. And I mean, <laughs> Hulu is also doing some amazing things. I mean, we talked about for life uh, streaming on after it initially airs, but uh, now this new limited series, Little Fires Everywhere, has a huge solid viewership. Oh my goodness, the four episodes released to date as of right now. You can go on Hulu and watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Fires Everywhere generated more hours of viewing over the past two weeks than any other drama on Hulu, which is super crazy because yeah. there's a lot of good stuff on there right exactly. now. Exactly. That includes their entire library of yeah. old shows, new shows, everything. This one is like kicking ass. Now, this is Reese Witherspoon again. <laughs> right. Like, she's yeah, everywhere. I know. you. Every week you hear us talk about an industry news. We're talking about Apple. Oh, she's on Apple. We talk about Netflix. Oh, she's got something on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, now she's got something on Hulu. She has one on Amazon. She is – her little – what is it? Sunshine? Hello, Sunshine yeah, Productions? Like it is kicking ass, bro. Yeah. She is just everywhere. This is what with Kerry Washington, right, from Scandal? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's great. I mean I love that she's doing so much and just taking control. Man. Yeah, man. I mean it shows that these creators, these creative-minded people, especially in front of the camera, have bigger aspirations than just staying in front of the camera. She – I mean – Super proud of her, man. She has come a long way from like Legally Blonde. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, absolutely true. And a lot of people forget she was a child star. Yeah. You know, she started off, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie with Sam Waterston, but she was like a little, little girl. Yeah. And like, so good for her, man. Uh, yeah. Just continued success there. And Hulu, Disney's got to be loving that. Yeah, seriously. And I mean, another one that's on Hulu, but also an FX show, uh, rapper comedian Dave Bird, aka Little Dicky. Everybody knows him as the comedian rapper. He's pretty freaking hilarious uh new fx series dave is on track to soon eclipse atlanta's tally of xf fx's most watched comedy series that's crazy uh, it hit the average viewing of 4.8 million viewers per episode for its five episode episodes to date uh but it's about to cross that atlanta tally mark. yeah which is very um i mean atlanta has long been fx's powerhouse yeah you know so for a show to come along and bump it up now i would have to guess that people at home watching is helping that number grow for sure, for you sure. know but it's still impressive regardless yeah. to, to 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 knock off uh, glover and you know atlanta is that's exactly. an impressive movement i think part of that has to do with i mean it's been like a year and a half two years maybe since the last season of atlanta so i mean I mean, that's kind of uh, making fans get tired of that one, get old of it. You can only rewatch that one so many times, but it's True. still a great series. Everybody should watch that. Just saying. True. But uh, yeah, Dave all right, is on Hulu right now, so be sure to go stream that. Um, but yeah, increased by 1.2 million viewers over the past two weeks, mm-hmm. I'm guessing because of the quarantine. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that makes sense, definitely. Hell yeah. This next one, speaking mm. of Hulu, former Hulu, former Hulu chief Jason Kylar has been named CEO of Warner Media. Now, we talked about this. I have long said that I thought the wrong people were running Warner Media. You know, it's owned by AT&T now, and John Stanky and the gang, nothing, nothing against them personally, but, you, you know, they're coming from an area where – you're now, you know, the second largest entertainment conglomerate and you have no clue about entertainment. So you better bring somebody in. We've been talking about that forever. They finally did that. You know, they 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 got a new head of uh, Warner Brothers Pictures, yeah. right? And Sarnoff and and like so good move there and and they're doing that. But now they've brought in Jason Kylar who used to head up Hulu. He's going to be the CEO of Warner Media. 
He's going to oversee Warner Brothers, HBO, the Turner, Turner Cable Assets, and HBO Max. So he's replacing John Stanky, as we said, yeah. who probably shouldn't have never been running Warner right. Media to right. begin with. He's been bumped up to um, President and Chief Operating Officer of AT and T. Yeah. So um, good because that's I feel like that's where he should belong. So exactly, and this guy really put Hulu on the map before Disney came in. Yeah, like, he, he was, was there producing all that content and helping all that stuff get greenlit. Yeah, he he was there from the get go, the very beginning, and uh, helped merge it all with Comcast. Yeah, and then you know all these different players came in to to buy and. I mean, the reason he left is because there was a problem in direction of where they thought Hulu should be going right. after Disney bought it. So there you go. Yeah. I, is this move directly like, fuck you, Disney? Right. Like, like I, I don't know. Like, I'm going to go to your second biggest competitor, you know? I, I don't know. But on the Warner Media part of it, I think it's a smart move. Yeah. I think it's a really smart move. This guy clearly demonstrated the ability, you know. And I heard him talking, too, and he, he was stressing the importance of – um, linear television still being important. Um, he was talking about uh, movies, you know, still theatrical release versus going straight to. He's got a strong grip on what's going on. Yeah. So I think this is a really, really smart move. And all the Warner Media heads, head of Warner, you know, Warner Brothers Pictures, the head of HBO, and all that, they're all going to be reporting directly to him now. I see. So it's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, man. Congratulations to him. I mean, see what happens next because, like we said, that is Disney's biggest competitor I think especially so. with the content mm-hmm. i think so i think cbs viacom's still a bit behind yeah you know agreed. um but as far as huge conglomerate it's it's bugs versus mickey man and i yeah I, right you know I, I do think that's the ones to watch exactly exactly but uh happy or exciting things happening for streaming services like netflix netflix has renewed its supernatural horror hot drama right now lock and key for its second season oh my goodness i haven't watched it i know hearing great things about it i mean we talk about it on imdb pro's top trending segment it's been trending the past couple weeks and i still haven't watched it i mean there's just so much shit that we're trying to catch up on and then plus doing stuff for the company it's like but this is definitely (laughs) one we need to watch it's it's like what um Oh, I did not know this, though. Apparently, this show was, like, in development hell for, like, over a decade. Oh, wow. Yeah, Hulu, I guess, initially tried to get it off the ground and everything. Um, So, wow, right? Yeah. That just goes to show you, though, even if you're stuck in development hell, even if it's taken 10 years, even if it's, you know, now it's a huge hit. Yeah. So, stick with it, man. Exactly. If you got something, stick with it, man. Don't well, back off. And it seems like Netflix is really there to take on the risk they're there for the risk it is it's true yeah yeah i i mean but i feel like they're in a position to take on the risk yeah exactly with all that debt man all that (laughs) debt all right this next one for netflix you've watched it i have it's crazy i mean it's blowing up on social media and everything i have not watched it yet i don't I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it after everybody's talking about it. We're, of course, talking about Tiger King. Yes. Murder, mayhem, and madness. Yes. Um, If there's one good thing out of this, though, it has apparently sparked a renewed interest in the missing person cold case that it's based on. Yeah. Uh, Florida authorities say they're getting a ton of phone calls. Uh, Tampa has confirmed. Um all kinds of tips coming in on the case of Jack Donald Don Lewis, who's been missing since 97. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Married to this big cat rescue bitch, Carol Baskin. Right, and she's <laughs> the one who supposedly hired the guy to do the, the work for Hire Kill, right? 
I yeah, she was married to Lewis, who randomly disappeared, and there's rumors going around that she might have. Everybody thinks in the tiger community that she fed her husband to a tiger. Wow! But she is saying that her husband had Alzheimer's and was forgetting things and was not his rightful self, so he might have just wandered off and never came back. But I mean, everybody else in the tiger community, because it, it shines light on more than just Joe Exotic. It shines light on like people all across the country who work together, and it seems like mostly everybody does not like uh, this Carol Baskin bitch. Right, so, so so Joe Exotic was actually like charged, right, with the murder-for-hire killing, and then he's saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, she did it? Well, she fed I, well, it? Well, I, I don't know, I, because I haven't gotten that far yet, but... Um, what he was i don't know what he got charged for we have not been told yet um but she everybody thinks she did it i don't know if he actually got charged in that case i see okay yeah all right maybe i should maybe maybe it's I should watch. wild man it's i hear it's wild i yeah. mean it's like mm. it's like a black hole that you cannot get out and it's just you just keep going keep going keep going at least it's only like fucking seven episodes something there, like that. well there you go you, you know what's odd though we keep hearing about it right like like this is everywhere and yet netflix's most watched show right now by a landslide spencer confidential yeah i i, I mean it's a good movie I, it it's is a movie. it's a really good movie Wahlberg and and you know james dumont our yeah. buddy james dumont and exactly. um, so interesting right yeah. you never know yeah you this this know. must be about um him wanting to kill her, not about the cold case. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, because they have been beefing a while, they have like lawsuits against each other for more than like a million dollars and shit like that. So, so crazy. It, it's man. super crazy. The show is wild. Like, if you haven't checked out this documentary series, check it out. Like, it's definitely people are talking about it. You can't argue that Netflix is bringing some original shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. For sure. <sighs> I know, but uh, this <laughs> no, uh, no. sweet, sweet, sweet victory, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, the NFL and various teams by the NFL uh, expanded the game's postseason, so there's going to be two more teams in wild card games for the playoffs. Yeah. And get this, guys, it's going to be there's going to be additional games. On Nickelodeon. Yeah, they're going to like... What? No, I'm just not okay with this. This is really weird. First of all, I'm not okay with... And I, I, I love football, okay? Football, by far my favorite, okay? Huge football fan. But guys, it, for the past couple of years, it seems like the past decade or so... The playoffs, we've had teams with losing fucking records getting into in. the playoffs. Yeah. Like, and now we're going to let two more teams in? It's, it's like, what are you going to be, like, four and, you know? Yeah. I, I just, four and 12 and you get in the playoffs? Like, it's so fucked up. I know. And then to put it on Nickelodeon. Yeah. And the reason was to attract a younger audience. Like what? <laughs> I got news for you guys in the NFL, okay? I am not a Goodall fan by any means. I no. hate him. I think he's ruined the fucking league. Yes, I said that. Come talk to me, Roger. We'll, we'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about um, it. He's got a McAllister's business card. But it's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Spielberg won't take us up on it. Will you, Roger Goodell? You? Um, But my point is, unless you've got fucking SpongeBob and Patrick in the booth, you're not going to get a younger audience. No. I mean, you it's know. It's really weird to think about. I mean, kids nowadays are just running back and forth between their bedroom and the living room while Super Bowl or Sunday football is on. So, it's I mean, true. you really think – I feel like they're going to be pissed. 
I I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I know they just signed Tony to a huge fucking deal. Yeah, which I is mean, crazy. is this just trying to generate more revenue to pay Tony? Will Tony be in the booth for the Nickelodeon one? Right, he's very over the top and and animated, and you know he has a good time on on the CBS side of it. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if they will pull him into the Nickelodeon side of it. I don't know. That'd be hilarious. That would be just. I, no. <laughs> no, don't want it to happen. I just don't want it to happen. I'm not okay with it. No. I'm not okay with it. It's so fucking funny. And but... plus, I, I mean, uh, just on a serious side of it, they're already talking about all of the injuries and the head injuries. and all. Now you want to prolong the season right. even more? Exactly. It makes no sense at all. It does not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But uh, some exciting news for NBC Universal. Everybody loves Law & Order. You're a huge fan. Oh, yes. Oh, I was a huge fan of SVU, but when Elliot left elliot stabler left i kind of dropped off but guess what he's coming back yes stabler returns for his own show yeah not and not svu he's not coming back to svu so uh this is interesting if you guys remember when he was written off the show back in season 12 he retired from the force that's right. what olivia and them were all told for his random disappearance so yeah um, i guess with the, the premise is that he's going to be heading the organized crime unit. You know how special victims unit. Well, he's going to be the head of the organized crime unit yeah. in, the, uh, in the NYPD. So I don't know. I'm just theorizing here. But maybe they told him he retired from the force and that was part of him maybe going undercover into organized crime or something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. But you can bet, especially after this past weekend, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, crossover between Chicago PD and FBI was huge. Yeah, exactly. So you can guarantee there's going to be a Stabler, you know, Olivia reunion. There's, there's no way they don't put Elliot and Olivia back together. So whether whatever they call his new show, you can bet it's going to be on SVU as well. Yeah, so. I mean, she should pop up on his or he pop up on hers again. Like, it would be epic just to see all of them back together. Absolutely. It's just fun to have them back in, you know, Dick Wolf world. I mean. Exactly. That's exactly. going to be excellent. Uh, and then director Stephen Williams most recently helmed the HBO's Watchmen limited series has boarded Don't Go in the Water, an original horror film from Universal Pictures. Uh, the script is being kept tightly under wraps and nobody wants to talk about it. It's being described as like a monster movie uh, who was originally discovered by the one and only J.J. Abrams who literally just signed a massive deal with Warner Media. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, it's a good good resume, uh, you know, thing to put on the resume, discovered by J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, he was bumped up to uh, executive producer on Lost. Yeah. You know, and then Watchmen, that's how that happened because he worked with Damon Lindenhoff on Lost. Yeah. And so that's how he got the Watchmen gig. So good for him, huh? Yeah, He's seriously. showing you how to climb the ladder with the right way to do it. And exactly. Horror seems to be kicking right now. And right. Um, the <laughs> Blumhouse has had a few misses, so yeah. maybe this will be a... In. Right, right. Uh, Just saying. <laughs> I mean, uh, other big notable names that are signing deals. Uh, Michael Bay has mm. signed a deal with Sony and his Bay Films to a multi-year deal, first look deal, with uh, Sony Pictures to produce both film and TV projects. The deal is being worked on and was the most done, mostly done in January before the town shut down due to the coronavirus. Yeah, so it brings him back. He w he was originally at Sony. That's where Bad Boys and all that happened. Yeah. Um. So he's back home, if you will. Uh. I, look, I think Michael Bay is always going to have a place because action movies 
they're always going to be, you yeah, know, agreed. everybody, everybody wants to see a good action movie, right? Like is, you know, and as long as it's a good one, I think, you know, it's going to be, and who does them better than Michael Bay right now? Right. Nobody. Everybody saw that, uh, six underground on, uh, Netflix yeah. with, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Fucking, that was super action packed sometimes unnecessarily, but <laughs> it was intense. It was over the top. It was, it was very over the top, but Michael Bay, I mean, you know. Yeah. That's what he does. Exactly. <laughs> Over-the-top action. Exactly. And it's working for him. So yeah. congrats on the big deal, man. Definitely. Congrats on the big deal. Definitely. And the underdog, Quibi, just days before its scheduled April 6th launch, uh, the mobile video venture has hit another legal action demanding that they be forced to stop using technology it originally stole from an interactive video company named Echo. Yes. Yes. Now, this is interesting. You know, like when you're looking at your phone and if you turn it, the video turns? Apparently, Echo is the company that came up with this technology. Interesting. So, I mean, it, it works on the iPhone, all kinds of stuff. But apparently, this is the company behind that. And I guess Quibi, when you're watching the movie, like with their Quibi app or whatever, or their television series, whatever you're watching on Quibi, it can tell whether you're – how you're holding your phone and it adjusts the program or movie to – the right format for however you're holding your phone. And Echo is claiming, uh-uh, wait a minute, hold on. You never got that from us properly. Right. You, we, you know, so they're trying to block this shit. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I've thought that's been around for a long time. Uh, Quibi's defense, Katzenberg's and uh, Whitman's defense is that, hey, we had all these meetings and this technology was going back and forth and memos were going back and forth with no NDAs, no nothing. It was yeah. open to the public, so... They feel like they were in the right, like so. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting, especially if they have a patent on this thing. So. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Man. I'm excited about Quibi though, so I, I, I hope they don't get shut down because yeah. I think that was going to be badass. Exactly, and I mean, they had just released the official trailer that unveiled the cast of the reboot iconic MTV prank series Punked. Punked. Ho- hosted by an executive produced by Chance the Rapper, Little Nas X, Adam. Devine, Migos, French Montana, Megan Stallion, a whole bunch of other rappers. Yeah, yeah. they're all going to be appearing That's on it. That's crazy. So, yeah, Chance. I mean, I think Chance will be a really good host. Yeah. And especially with all these cats coming in and, and like, being on the show, it's going to be For pretty sure. epic. I loved the original. That Remember Ashton Kutcher, guys? Like, he, he did the original on MTV, and it was fucking awesome for you know it was it was good so it really was. i hope this one's gonna be as funny and as good you know so this next one i thought was a prank because <laughs> of april fools and after realizing that it's not why do we need this we don't Oof, uh, we... Lindsay lohan is making her music <laughs> career uh return after a 12 year hiatus yeah why 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 <laughs> no i i I have no interest in either. seeing Lindsay Lohan come back. No, I have no like, words about this. I, I, I don't. I, and I would have never known had we not do what we do and follow news because I don't follow her on social media. No. That's apparently where she made the announcement. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm all for people making a living. I'm all for people doing what they love and everything like that. I just don't think this is going to be a successful comeback. No, I agree. I, I could agree. be wrong, but I don't think so. Is there a market for Lindsay Lohan still? Correct us if we're wrong. Lindsay, come on the show and tell us why you think right, exactly. there's a market for you still. That would be interesting, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, you know. Turn it into a little debate format. <laughs> you know, you know. And, I mean, we started the news with a little bit of corona. We're going to end the news with a little bit of corona. That's true. Um, 
New release schedule, guys. Top Gun has been pushed back to Christmas, and A Quiet Place will now come out during on Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. In both of them, I think that I think if you're going to have to push them back, both those dates make sense to me. Yeah. You know, I, I can see Top Gun kicking ass on the Christmas holiday. Yeah, I think so too. And we all know a Quiet Place is a like summer movie. It'll, yeah. It, Labor sure. Day is traditionally the big kickoff of the summer movie season. Yeah. So I, I feel like that's a good move. Yeah, I, I think so too. But the real question is when will we see Black Widow? Right, exactly. And where? Yeah. Like no somebody, somebody at Disney and Marvel, please tell us. Exactly. Please tell us. Oh my goodness. But anyway, guys, it is now time for our guest segment. We yes. tease it at the top of the show. We've got the one and only Michael O'Neill coming on the show, not to shoot Patrick Dempsey, no. but to talk about his career. <laughs> Let it go, man. I Let can't. Go. <laughs> I can't. I'm gonna talk to him about it, and I'm, <sighs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got some. Ex- he's got some explaining to do. I'm gonna do my best to talk to him about West Wing and remind everybody that he once was a good guy. Yeah. He protects people. Yeah. <laughs> but the main thing he's going to talk about is his new hot show on right now. I'm NBC, by the way, kicking ass with kicking the family ass. dramas. Uh, Council of Dads, which this is really good. Yes, yeah, so good. Debuted last week um, to huge numbers, by the way, following that Zoe's format, you know, with how they're doing it. The first episode came up, and then it's taking us some time off to go on. You can watch it everywhere, guys. Yeah. Hulu, YouTube, social media sites. Find it. Watch it. You're going to love it. And Mike plays Larry. Larry. Larry, don't fuck with Larry. No. That's all I'm saying. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I hope everybody enjoys the interview. Well, here he is. Michael O'Neill, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you today? I'm really good, guys. Thanks. I love the name of this. Oh, the awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we like to get a little crazy, you know, a little roundtable conversation. Just kick back and talk about your career, man. You got a lot to talk about. Well, they let the old guy work for a long time. I have have one question for you guys, though. What does a sane ant farm look like? We don't want to know, Michael. (laughs) We couldn't tell you. And if we did, we'd be in trouble, I think. Exactly. We'd be out of a job. (laughs) Well, we'll just leave that one go. All right. All right. Well, first of all, congratulations on the on the huge success of the launch of Council of Dads, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But we're so happy that you're on to talk about that. Yeah, thank you, Justin. We're excited about it. You know, it's it's um, we, we've been living with it for a while, so it's nice to let it breathe and get it out in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, I mean, we've got so much to talk to you about. Such a storied career. I was a huge fan of the West Wing and your work on the West Wing and the Unit and so much stuff. And Logan, Lo- Logan has some beef with you about Grey's Anatomy. We're going to get into that one in a little. (laughs) Yeah. uh, A little piece of my fanny hit the floor. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's going to be a fun part to talk about. But but first, what we like to do is kind of give you a little introduction to the the listeners and everything and kind of tell them how you got started in the industry and uh, stuff like that. So was it something you always kind of knew you wanted to do from a young age or how did it all kind of come about, man? You know what, Dustin? It wasn't. Um, I was of a generation that was uh, in Vietnam, um, and when when it came time for the U.S. government to invite me, they began to wind the war down, and um, so I was not called to go, and it left me with uh, a lot of freedom that I didn't anticipate having, and I I decided to leave the South and go to California because I wanted to see some of the world, mm-hmm. and all the world lived in California, don't you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> And so I, um, I loaded up my car and I drove out there not knowing where I was going and I got involved 
by invitation with a little Shakespearean repertory company in Topanga Canyon, a little open air theater company. And I went from being uh, a, a, not an actor to being a, a, a bad actor and, not a very good, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then a not a very good actor and then an aspiring actor and then a guy that was um, earnest about his effort. And then I got better. Thank God. <laughs> I'd say you got pretty good because, like we like Agreed. we talked about, the, the career has been pretty long, man. So I think you're doing all right. Exactly, 122 acting credits. I mean, uh, yeah, come so on, so many <laughs> notable ones, man. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So it's always interesting to hear how it comes, though. You know, you sometimes we have people on, and they were like, "Oh, when I was six, I knew right away this," and then others who just kind of fall into it and right. have these amazing careers. It's always so cool to hear like that. Wait, well, you know what? I, I'm intimidated by those people that knew at six. <laughs> I agree. I did the only play I ever did in my life at, at six years old right. i was a leaf in the school play <laughs> non-speaking part there you go and and i must have blown it because i didn't set foot on a stage again for you know i don't know 18 years something like that <laughs> yeah i mean you got to be pretty gung-ho at six right like right. i still had the towel around my neck and playing batman i mean that's about as best i could do at six so i don't know yeah yeah that's yeah but it's it's as sweet as it gets you know okay let's talk about it. you're the father of lovely daughters correct Myself also. Um, Rich and girls. Yes, girls are the best. <laughs> um, what are you? Are you shying them away? Are you like you know? Get it? Don't come into this industry. Or how? How's that? I'm always curious about like especially somebody who's had such a long career in it and seen the ups and downs of the industry. How are you with them? You know, they're very very supportive, um, Dustin. There, but that none of them have any interest whatsoever in going into the entertainment business. There you go. Uh, they just you know they grew up with sort of the vagaries of the uncertainty certainty of it and and my uh, you know emotional ups and downs and they thought you know they said to me one day we want to go to a real job and I said I think that's a great idea you guys do that so uh, I don't think I, I'm in danger of any of them following in their father's footsteps although I will say this they've been incredibly supportive since Transformers on you know oh, they were right like, they they were about of the age to figure out that I was actually an actor when I did Transformers and I was in a theater in, in Palm Springs on the holiday weekend, and I walked onto the screen. My character did. And all of a sudden, one of my girls goes, Dad, that's you. <laughs> and you know what happened? Every head in the theater goes, zoop. Yep, right, yep like, absolutely. Oh. It's like, thanks, yeah, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, we got some splaining to do, Lucy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, uh, I mean, but economics background. So, I mean, that, that's that got to help during some stretches when you're an aspiring actor, right? I mean, be able to figure out the finances, I'm assuming. Um. I wish that were true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think about some of the jobs that I worked. Listen, mm. I was a bicycle messenger in New York. Um, I was a carpenter. You know, I was a, a, a obligatory bartender. Sure. Um, taught school for a little while. Um, you know, was a construction worker for a long time in L.A. You just do what you do to keep body and soul together. So I understood that part of the economics. There of, you go. Um but I never really got to use the degree, if you know what I mean. You're a brave individual, though, a bike messenger in New York City. That, yeah, that's seriously. a brave individual. <laughs> Do you know, I don't know if that's brave or dumb. <laughs> it's a very thin it was, line. It's, it is. It, it, and it started early in the morning, and the thin line just got thinner and thinner. Oh, <laughs> goodness. <laughs> Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, you play very brave individuals. A lot of senators, a lot of uh, a lot of military guys. You know, you're you're like these very distinguished hardcore gentlemen. You know, do do you like that? Or do, I mean, because I get the sense that you're a pretty funny guy as well. Well, I, you know, I gosh, I'm not funny. I wish I were. <laughs> I, I, 
I couldn't carry a joke in a bucket, but <laughs> they think I have authority because of the mustache. Uh, I know is that what it is? I, okay. I've thought about this a lot, and I really do think it's the mustache. They assume I'm either law enforcement. And that used to happen to me a lot. People would think I was a cop. And Interesting. I, I, I had lunch at a little deli here not long ago, and I got up to leave, and the woman that was sitting at the table next to me said, hey, I know who you are. And I said, really? She said, yeah, you're the cop who put me in jail. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I started to back away and I said, I'm glad to see you're doing better. Oh. And I left, you know, because you just, you don't want to get in it. Right. No, 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 of course not. <laughs> but I think that's what it is. I think it's just, you know, that I, I have some sort of military bearing or something. Well, uh, you do it extremely well. I, I have to say that you do it extremely well. And I do. I want to talk about, let's, let's jump in and talk about West Wing because man, what an incredible character that was, and what, what a stretch, what a run on that show. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Phenomenal cast. I mean, Sorkin's writing on the show was brilliant. What was it like to be a part of that? You know, the, my first day on the set, Dustin John Spencer, who I had worked with, played Leo, you know, mm -hmm. chief of staff. And John, John took me by the hand because we'd done a, a couple of films together in a play, and he, he introduced me to everybody. He vouched for me. There you go. He said, he said, this guy's one of ours because they were a really tight ensemble, you know? Oh, absolutely. And the writing was so good. And they just open armed me. They just let me in. Um, and I didn't know uh, when we first started that that role was going to have an opportunity to develop and recur. And the script supervisor came to me one day on set and said, uh, they like you upstairs. You'll be back. Now, <laughs> That's always good to hear. It, you know, it is, except... Every time I've ever heard that, I've never been invited. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man, I really like the show, too. But they did. You know, Aaron continued to invite Butterfield back. And then they had that wonderful episodes or the two episodes in the shadow of the gunman. Mm -hmm. um, and that was based, guys, on verbatim the experience that Jerry Parr had. Who was the Secret Service agent that pushed Reagan in the car? Right, right. When, when Reagan, you remember that whole thing? Well, Absolutely. I got to talk with him, and uh, he went through it chapter and verse with me. I mean, moment by moment by moment. And I said, "Can I introduce you to Aaron Sorkin?" And he said, "Of course you can." And so all of that behavior in that episode, everything that happened there, Jared gave to me on the most generous platter. Um, and I, I've, I'll be forever grateful to him. And the Secret Service was really generous to me. You know, they, they taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. they, they gave me a, a lot of tips, a lot of pointers, a lot of bearing. And, and so the obligation for me was just to play them as honestly and with as much dignity as I could because they were the real thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so it, it, it was acting, but it, it got into – it touched on some very um, lifetime you know, sort of issues for me. Well, and I, yeah, and you could tell, I think that that had a lot to do with the, the popularity of Ron and, and, and why he did keep coming back. I, I, I thought that the, just the emotion that you show, I mean, you're back and forth with Alice and Janie and just like in so many scenes, I can recall in my head, it was so emotional. You could just tell that there was something there that you were pulling from. And I just thought it was fantastic, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks guys. I appreciated that. You know, that one let me in. Um, that role sort of helped me get inside of Hollywood and it kept me there, if you know what I mean, because it was such a popular show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of popular shows, oh, yeah. I got to talk about it. I got to talk <laughs> right, about go ahead, it. Go ahead, I'm going <laughs> to hit, hit me hard. I gotcha. Go. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just going to say 
McDreamy. He's my little man crush. Everybody yeah. knows it on the show. All, all of our audience knows it. It's literally a running joke for like a year now that that's his man crush. So. Exactly, exactly. So I hate your character for what you did. But on a serious <laughs> note, um, what was it like being on that set with such a serious tone of your storyline? And what was that like off camera? Like whether the cast really just welcoming, bringing you in? Or what was that like? You know, not so much. Um <laughs> because I was a pariah. Right. And, and, and so, you know, it, you, it leaks a little bit mm-hmm. in the relationships. No one treated me badly. I, I don't want to indicate that at all. Cause that's not true. They were all very, very professional with me. James Pickens, I think was probably the most mm. uh, gracious, um, but everybody had a job to do. Definitely. And so what they knew was, was that I, as an actor, um, had to create the trouble mm-hmm. and, and I was in a lot of trouble personally, you know, as a role, result of that role. So right. they gave me a lot of, they gave me a lot of space is what they did. And it was respectfully done. Um, but the, the thing that happened to me on that show that I, I had never had happen was because I was isolated a lot. I mm-hmm. kept my chair away from everybody, mm-hmm. you know, because the, that character needed that. Definitely, um, especially after his wa- uh, wife passing and especially thinking it was wrongful death and, yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. But every now and again, you know, a grip would walk by or a gaffer would walk by and they'd just tap me on the shoulder. They wouldn't say a word. <laughs> they would just they just put a hand. They just put a hand on my shoulder because mm-hmm. they knew they knew they could see it. You right. Know? And I always respected that and I appreciated that a lot that they were that you know, they were caring. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. They just, they knew I was in pain and, and, uh, they was going, you know, keep going guy. You're doing, you're doing your job. That's so interesting. It's like, it's like, listen, man, we like you, but you're going to shoot Derek. Yeah. That's not okay. (laughs) That's not okay. (laughs) So, so you stay in the the corner. (laughs) You know, Derek was, he was late in the game. I thinned the herd pretty good before I ever got to Derek. That's right. (laughs) It's true. uh, It's true. (laughs) Man, but you know, Logan brings up a great point. Such a controversial episode. Yeah. I mean, with with the gun law issues in this country and and Mm -hmm. safety issues in this country and everything. Yeah. It's funny that we jump from West Wing to this with, two shooting incidents but it was such a powerful episode and it really i enjoy episodes like that though because they stick in your mind and they do make you talk yeah and i think it's important for conversation in this country and i so i i respect you and i really like episodes like that that get people talking exactly and i love what you brought to that character and what you brought out because you were coming from a place where you were doing the right thing because someone you loved so dear was taken away from you at the wrong time so it, it, yeah, it definitely starts a conversation. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think that was Miss Rhymes' intent was for for us to take a look at the ease of being able to get a gun in this country. That was a big issue, and also we don't often t- we don't take care of people well enough that mm-hmm. are on the margins. This guy was clearly the only thing that tethered him was his wife, right? And once she was gone, nobody ever bothered to look in on him again. Exactly. I think she was trying to make a point about that, but. You know, I appreciate what you say. It was a hard, probably the hardest job I've ever had, um, but um, also one of the most to look back on it. And I don't look back on it much, but but to realize that um, I'm not going to have many performances in this life like that. Yeah, it, it was phenomenal. No, it doubt, was. no doubt about it. And, we, and of course, we have to do because we have a little running joke also amongst ourselves that I'm a huge Resident fan and he's yeah. a huge Grays fan. And you're our second guest now that's appeared on both shows. So, <laughs> yeah, what is that about? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to stay out of the hospital, particularly right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do not need to be there. No. Yeah. 
and I and I never turn up as a popular character. No, know, no, you weren't a very the, nice guy on the resident either. So yeah, yeah, which sucks no, no. because you're a really lovable guy. <laughs> like, you deserve <laughs> <Yeah>. justice. <laughs> Yeah, so, I don't know. This, this show we're doing now is going to give it to me. There you go. Oh, definitely. And I want to click uh, briefly about Dallas Buyers Club because you we, we're talking a lot of television, but you've done an amazing amount of films as well and some some biggies. I mean, Dallas Buyers Club just jumps off at the top of my head. Yeah, and I mean, I mean Jay Edgar with Leonardo DiCaprio, like a lot of good absolutely. ones. Absolutely. And I want to talk clemency too because, I mean, Elfrey Woodard and uh, Richard Schiff, little West well, Wing reunion there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty remarkable to get to. And Aldous Hodges, who I had worked with on Leverage, absolutely. Um, you know, Alfred Alfred called uh, called out and said, "Michael, I have something I want you to do." And I said, "Alfred, I'll wash your car if you want me to." <laughs> you know, tell me where you want me to be because she's just you know she's kind of extraordinary. She's mm-hmm. an extraordinary person. And when I found out I was going to get to work with Richard again, mm-hmm. you know. And Aldous, it was, and and the nature of the material, it's, you know, we don't see the death penalty. It's warehoused. So it's not something the public actually gets a glance at. Right, absolutely. Of course, you know, in the film, we show two executions. And that took a little while to get, you know, um, recover from. Uh, It it, it, it kind of sticks to you. Even though, you, you know, I know it's a pretend world, but if you pretend hard enough, there's there's some blowback on it, and uh, those actors were extraordinary. You know, oh, those yeah. Aldis and uh, they were they were just extraordinary. I don't you know I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, I think you know I just saw where Colorado um, uh, repealed the death penalty yesterday, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a big deal. So there's something in the air uh, now in the water, and I hope in the in the mind of consciousness. Uh, I saw a little blurb that it cost three point five million dollars to to. Uh, try somebody yep. um, for the death penalty, which is 23 times more than the cost of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Wow. Wow. Staggering you know, so. numbers, right? Is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay. <clears throat> From an actor standpoint, especially one who said, <laughs> you know, how you got started and everything. I'm just curious. Do you have a medium that you prefer? Are you more of a TV guy or do you like the film aspect or I mean, which one? You know, it's funny you ask that. Uh, I used to like film more because there was more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the case. Like in Dallas Buyers Club, we shot that film in 22 days. Oh, wow. Wow. It just there, there was no lighting package on it. We did existing light only. Mm. So we, we literally ran from one location to the next because we were trying to outrun darkness and um it, it so film it used to have the luxury of more time and more exploration and rehearsals and and you know all that and that's not the case anymore so my truthful answer is i prefer television but for the same reason that a lot of writers do it's the long form right, right. You, you can explore so much more you can put a pause on it and come back to it you know, or turn it in a way that no one saw it coming, which Aaron Sorkin was so brilliant at. But, um, you know, in that regard, I think we're sort of in a golden age of television right now. It's it's just it's exploding with so many good writers and storylines that I'm like, whoa, I'm glad I lived this long. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Well, okay, so let's talk about the biggie then. Council of Dads, your new show, debuted last week and and just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's getting a lot of praise. It's being compared a lot to This Is Us with with the yeah. with the ensemble cast and the and the heavy drama and comedy and everything. I'm super excited to talk about this one. I think the premise is absolutely brilliant. Um, for anybody who doesn't know who didn't catch the pilot episode, and if you didn't, come on, what's wrong? Um, 
It's about a father who, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, it's about a father who is diagnosed and finds out he's dying from cancer and and feels like he, he still wants his kids to have a fatherly influence or a dad influence in their lives. So he brings together this collection of friends um, to take the place of him after he passes to be the father influ- influence in the kids' lives. And I got to tell you, it's just absolutely brilliant. Well, you're a dad. I am a dad. dad. And the first thing that you would think of um, if something threatens your life is, will my children be okay? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and the, the sadness is I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there to walk them down the aisle and I'm not going to be there to comfort them if they lose the big ball, ball game or celebrate them win the big, whatever it is, that's your, the most uh, gripping thought you have is, will my kids be all right? And I love the premise of this, that he brought together three guys from very different walks in his life. You right, know, I mean, right. Anthony's a childhood friend, you know, and just kind of, you know, he's a free spirit and a chef and creative and unpredictable. And then, you know, Oliver is his oncologist mm-hmm. and happens to be his wife's best friend. And they share a friendship. Their daughters are best friends. So they, they know one another. And then my character, Larry, he sponsors Scott, the father sponsored. And I love the fact that he's younger than I am, but he sponsored me in AA, you know, so he knew uh, that I'd lost a family to right. alcoholism and and brought me in to, you know, ask me to be there for his family and not knowing if I had the skill set to do it. But I think he knew that I needed them as much as they needed me. Absolutely. And so it's it's a wonderful um, – and I do think you're – I think it's an honest look at, at society as we are now, but an honest look at what any of us would try to do given the thought of, of our imminent demise and not being there for, for our families. Well, absolutely. And I think, I think the reason it's, it's a hit and I think it's, it's going to have long legs is because it, it's something you can connect to. You, you said it right. That is, you know, it's a snapshot of society today and, and maybe what we need more of and, and highlight less of what we don't need. But the reason I think that it's going to do so well is because you can connect. And I think those are the shows that do the best is when you can connect to a character and, and or a storyline that, that you've been through or you know somebody that's been through. And I really think this show is going to do that. I lost my dad when I was eight, so I know what it's like to kind of come up without having a father. And then I yeah. had health issues myself. I already had a heart attack. And my immediate thought was what happens if I go now and my kid is young and doesn't have a father like I had yeah. to grow up with. So immediately it's one of those storylines where I saw it and I was like, oh, I could definitely connect to this. And I'm, I have to imagine there's going to be a bunch of people across the country that, that are going to feel the same way. Yeah, I think so. And I'm, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry for your loss. I just think, um, and I'm glad you survived. Me too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I'm glad for your kids. You know, it's just, um, I do think people are going to, uh, some people it's going to hit really hard and, and because they're going to have events in their own lives that, you know, they're going to look at and, and it's going to resonate for them. And, and I, and I hope it's cathartic for them in mm-hmm. that, in that regard, you know, and some people it's going to, they're going to stop and, and think about, wait a minute, what happens, you know, cause we're not wired to think about our own end. No. Um, and, and so there's a, there's a whole lot going on here. And, and if I may add, there's also a lot of humor in this. Sarah sure. Wayne Callis, who plays, you know, plays Robin. She plays the wife of, uh, and the mom of this wonderful brood of children. And, um, she she is quick to point out, yeah, you you better bring your Kleenex, but you're also going to laugh some. And I think that's important. 
you know, that we can try to make sure that we incorporate that. Absolutely, uh, because there's a lot of humor in tragedy. Well, I mean, yeah. that's just reality. You know, sometimes yeah. you're, you're, you're so grief-stricken, you don't even realize that what you're doing is pretty freaking funny. I mean, you know. Yeah, and grief is so different for everyone. And it's also different. It exercises itself differently in different times. You know, how do you define it? You know, it's so hard to know what this particular moment of grief is going to do because it will surprise you. It'll turn and do something ridiculous, you know? So I, I think we've, we've incorporated, you know, as much of the, um, uh, the uncertain, you right. know, as we can. And, and how do we, and then the question becomes, how do we move forward? How do we help them? Absolutely. You know, how do you, how do you figure out a way what somebody needs and love them in that way? And, uh, you know, Larry, who's the old guy and sort of a tough love kind of character, thinks he's right most of the time. I mean, that's not that's not always helpful. It's the mustache. <laughs> We're going to blame it on the mustache again. Uh, Anybody with a mustache I, is always right. I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, thank you. I'm going to tell the writer. writer you, get on that. You, you have him call me if he's got any problem with that, all right? <laughs> I would definitely do that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Sarah too, because and the rest of the cast because it's a phenomenal cast. I mean, absolutely, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Everett Scott for a long time, and I just think the entire cast is brilliant. Yeah, they they did something special with this, and and the the wild thing for us is when we came together so quickly. I genuinely like them. You know, I, I thirty seconds after meeting them, or th- certainly thirty minutes after meeting them. I cared about who they were and I got an idea of who they were. And then as we worked together, it's the fastest I've ever had an, a, a genuine affection grow in the cast. It made me think of the West Wing in that regard mm, mm. because they had that respect and affection for one another. And mm-hmm. it happened quickly, you know. And you guys um, shoot this in Savannah, right? It, it takes place yeah. in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. What was, yeah. What's that like? Well, it was a character in the in the piece. You know, Savannah's gorgeous. And uh, it's, it's based on a bro- book called Council of Dads that Bruce Filer, who was a Savannah native, wrote. And so when they decided to place it, they said, let's place it where it started in Savannah. So we were there for five and a half months filming the series and, and really adored it. Boy, Savannah was great, great food. Great yeah. Oh, food. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. This, you're yeah. talking to a New Yorker that moved to the South, and yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Southern food. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we're going to take us out in the yard and run us, too, but it's really good food. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but uh, what we like to do at the end of uh, each interview is ask our guests, what piece of advice would you carry on? Because this podcast is about helping the up-and-comers trying to break into the industry. What piece of advice would you pass along to the up-and-comers, and what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid? Well, in terms of uh, what advice to give in terms of moving forward, it's, I'd say you, the actor's job is to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, you show up prepared, but you're, the first thing you have to do is show up. Um, and that sounds silly, uh, but I've seen auditions where the actor wasn't there, mm. you know, and, and, and so just for yourself – um, show up. And the other thing is, is never let your neuroses exceed your talent. Um, you just don't want to do that. You know, we, we're, the work is too hard. Right. Uh, and, and it's better, I think, you know, uh, who am I to say, because a lot of us are neurotic. We all are. If you got to be, <laughs> if you got to be 40 feet tall on stage to be seen, there's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and um, present company included. So, um, 
Yeah, just do your best to show up and, and work on your craft. Two things you can take care of that you can take care of. You can work on your craft and you can take care of your community. You need somebody to eat spaghetti with. You need somebody that, you know, is going to buy you a beer when the audition didn't go well or you got close to the job and didn't get it. Um, and just keep working on it until you get so good they, they can't not hire you. There you go. I mean, that yeah, is that's great. great advice. And I always love the, the camaraderie aspect to it. You know, have somebody, as you said, to eat spaghetti with, because it is an industry built on rejection. So you've got to have some people around you that can help you get through that. And uh, so that's always good advice to hear. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I hate to give bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I got to tell you, this has been one of the more enjoyable interviews that we've had. It's just been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Well, I appreciate you guys doing it. It's uh, it's clear that you have a lot of fun and, and uh you know, I'm I'm prone to seriousness, so I appreciate you sort of lightening me up a little bit. Oh no, we of we, course, yeah, <laughs> it's been our pleasure, man. And look, open invite anytime you want to come back and talk about the show or just anything you got going on, man. Open invite because, like I said, you've just been an absolute pleasure to talk to, and I know the listeners are going to love it. Well, hey, Dustin, thank you for that, and I'm going to take you up on it, Logan. You know, uh, I'm going to make it up to you for shooting McDreamy. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> So you you don't you can't see it right now, Michael, but the smile on his face is huge. Just like literally knocking me out of the room right now. So <laughs> he's gonna hold you to that. You better watch out. So I'm, I'm gonna work on it. I promise. I, you know, I'm gonna be redeemed before it's over with. There you go. <laughs> all right. So you listen. Guys take care. Thank you again. All right. Now take care. Bye bye. Bye. Oh my goodness. That guy is just like honestly, just the guy you just sit in the room with and talk to for hours and hours and hours. Seriously, like, he, I, he didn't he feel like a family member? Yeah, he just felt like you were sit, hanging with an uncle or, yeah. or a just yeah. What a phenomenal guy and just a lot of fun. Yeah, seriously, I, I, I like how he pokes fun at the fact though that he is taken so seriously all yeah. the time or has this serious demeanor. Exactly. You know, and, um, but he he was a lot of fun. I thought he was yeah. hilarious. Agreed. So, yeah. Agreed. I mean that. I guess it kind of sucks in that instance to be like kind of tight cast as such a serious guy and all right. of these serious roles so to let him like lighten up a little bit and like just take the edge off is really nice to see you know what i thought uh, and i love the fact that that we talked to him about both the west wing and gray's anatomy because i thought it was really interesting and i'd love to get some comments from our from our listeners on this too about like when you're the protector mm-hmm. in a shooter situation yeah. and how the cast treated him and reacted to him on the West Wing. Yeah. But then when you're the shooter, Compared how to, the yeah. cast and the crew reacted to you, like in the Grey's Anatomy. That was really interesting to hear how yeah. that went down, you exactly. know? So, whew, some good stuff, man. Exactly, exactly. Can't wait for you to redeem yourself <laughs> for the McDreamy shootout. But uh, thank you again, Michael O'Neill, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for our top five segment. <laughs> oh my goodness! I had fun with this. Cause Did I you? Did just you know? would not tell you, and you still have not <sighs> figured know, it's it out. So freaking annoying! You're gonna like kick yourself when you hear my number one you're gonna be like fuck how did i, I not know, know how did that I not think how did that? i not get that especially since i talked about it or at least referenced something about my number one a couple of weeks ago yeah and yeah fuck. so you're gonna yeah, yeah you're gonna be like damn it but of course this spawned from our instagram <laughs> live a couple of days ago uh where we we're talking about dc's future and what's gonna happen after all this bullshit That's right. and i mean it was a fun one, man. It was a fun one. It was definitely interesting. Now, all of my top five uh, 
people that I picked, superheroes that I picked, are all from either television or film adaptations. I did not, because everybody knows I'm the film and television guy. I didn't go back and read the comic books or anything, but I do have these handy-dandy books over here that <laughs> help me when we go into a movie or a television series that I can go back to the origin stories. So, But that being said, my number five is... Wait, we didn't say what they were. Boy, Top five favorite DC heroes. I said that. Oh, did you? Yes. You're getting I old. See, I know, it's, no, getting old. it's the gray. Yeah. It's the gray. No, I'm just really so excited about revealing the number one. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. Uh, I've been wired all day. Uh, yeah, right. Right. It's that peppermint white mocha. That's what it was. <laughs> it's true. My first one in forever. Oh, my goodness. But my number five <laughs> is Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, Green Arrow. That was just such – kicked off the Arrowverse on uh, the CW, and it was just amazing. I, I, it's a brilliant Stephen character. Amell, yeah, Stephen Amell, Stephen Amell knocked Amell, it out of the park. He did. It, it, just a whole new kind of interpretation of Green Arrow, dark, gritty. I mean, you know, I loved it. Yeah. I, I, I loved the show from start to finish. And I've always enjoyed the character in the comic books, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but so so Oliver Queen though, because yes. you know there's several different Green Arrows versions of Green Arrow See, and everything. So Oliver Queen. Yeah. Um, good. That's a good one. That's yeah, a good man, one. Man. All right. My number five is the fastest man alive, The Flash. Yes. Barry Allen. Because, you know, there's been numerous iterations of The Flash, too. Jay Garrick at one point, Kid Flash Wally West took over as The Flash. And so, but I'm talking about specifically my man, Barry Allen, The Flash. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's always been a great storyline in the comic books, it's a great storyline in the Arrowverse. It's just The Flash. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, my number four is Cyborg. Doom Patrol mm. Cyborg. Fuck that Justice League shit. I'm just saying. <laughs> Doom Patrol Cyborg is, I think, the right interpretation of the character. And I like the original Teen Titans uh, Cyborg as well. I know you weren't a fan of any of those cartoons. Teen Titans Go definitely sucks. No. We I, agree with that, but he didn't like the other one. I, I didn't either. I fucking hate the Teen Titans cartoon. I, I do. I just I think it's awful. I think it's a – we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Yeah. But I agree with you. I do think the best interpretation of Cyborg so far is definitely Doom Patrol. Yeah. I think they nailed Vic Stone. I love it. It's a good choice. Yeah. Good. And I like the character. Good choice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My number four, my man, Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan. Green Lantern. Yeah. This guy's a badass. Whether he became a bad guy, Parallax, and you know got rid of everything, or he's the good guy, or he's the original Emerald, you know, he just—he's a badass. Definitely. Uh, green Arrow. I mean, uh, Green Lantern. Definitely. See, now you got me on Green I, Arrow. And I know. You know they teamed so up. So many greens. There was a team up. They had a long-running team up comic book for really? yeah, oh, yeah, for ages or whatever. Hal Jordan and and um, yeah. That's awesome. Oliver Queen. That's awesome. It's, I have it's, to check that out. Do, do, do you know? <laughs> Do you know the oath? I do not. No. I know you know the oath. You yeah, have I know ring, you have all of it. I have all of it. I'm a, such a geek. It's <laughs> all right. My number three is also the fastest man alive, uh, The Flash, who you reference in, as your number five. I just love the crossovers they did in the Arrowverse with Oliver Queen and all those other characters, I think. Then the I forget the actor's name, but he did a great interpretation of the character. Uh, Grant Gustin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. I, I mean, you're right. I think it's, again, the most spot-on interpretation of the character that, yeah. that we could see. I mean, just everything about the Arrowverse, Berlanti. Um, Seriously, <laughs> Team Berlanti. That's right. All right, my number three. It's a tie. It's a tie between Superman and Batman. Mm. 
I love them both equally. I just think they're both they're they're so on the different end of the spectrum yeah. of how they approach their fight, you know, for justice and, and, and against crime and everything. But I just I'm a huge fan of how can you not be? I mean if you're a fan of D C and you're not a fan of the Trinity, yeah. Something's wrong. Yeah. So I know you're thinking Trinity, wait for it. Wait. But Superman Batman, tied. Boom. All right. My number two is Nightwing, Dick Grayson. He's a fucking badass, especially in the new Titan series that is on DC Universe. Check that out. And plus, like that, when he shows up in the animated series, I love it. Every second of it, he's a badass. He is a badass. Totally. Yeah. You know another badass? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is my number two. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? Like I said, the Trinity, man. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I just think it's a brilliant character. It's been reworked so many times. Oh, yeah, but, for sure. Uh, I just always, from the comic books all the way through, I loved Linda Carter's version back in the 70s, the original. I love Gal Gadot's version of it. I just think it's a brilliant character. It's brilliantly done. Women, man. Women. Women, Women power. Wonder Woman. Yeah. But not my number one is Batman. <laughs> Love fucking Batman. You see my Funko over here? Batman, Christian Bale. I am Batman. Yes, that is my Batman, and he's the best Batman, in my opinion. But yes, <laughs> Bruce Wayne is a fucking badass, and he's basically Tony Stark, and that's why Iron Man's my favorite superhero in the Marvel Universe. So, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, my number one. My number one. You have said on your list, Nightwing. Yeah. Nightwing is by far my favorite character in the DC universe. Yeah. I just think where he's come from, Dick Grayson. Let's yeah. just say Dick Grayson. Yeah, exactly. Um, but currently Nightwing. But this whole storyline of how he evolves out from underneath Batman's yeah. shadow and, you know, from the the go-lucky-boy wonder to the brooding-boy wonder to, you know, walking away altogether and then yeah, coming exactly. back as Nightwing and now this, like, badass. Um, I agree with you. I just think his storyline is just one that I've always been attracted to. Um, and I, I credit hugely Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Yeah. Because, like we talked about, the New Teen Titans was the very first comic book I ever bought for yeah. myself. Like, my own, I'm going to start collecting. And I just think their their storyline with Dick Grayson, and for anybody who doesn't know, Marv Wolfman and George Perez are the guys who had him walk away as Robin and then come back as Nightwing. Yeah. So, um, it's just, a, he's a brilliant, and you're right. I, a huge, Brenton Thwaites is just killing it on Titans. Yeah. The new, he handled, he did Robin really well, but now Nightwing with the fucking, just badass, bro. And I really want to see a movie. Yeah, right. I really want to see a Nightwing movie. Super so there funny. it is. Nightwing exactly. is my is my favorite. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah, yeah. That was a great top five segment, even though I stumble over words. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but now it is time for the IMD Pre Pro top trending segment. I don't know why I'm talking like this. No, but, that was weird. <laughs> it was weird. That was really weird. weird. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, um, you guys love this app. You know this app, especially now during quarantine. You should definitely get this app. Um, Basically, anything you need to know about the entertainment industry, it is on this app. It's a one-stop shop. You'll love it. Um, uh, the top trending movie this week, The Platform. We mm. we need to watch this one as well. We do. This one sounds really, really intense. It's about all these people, I guess. I don't know if it's a prison system or if just like whatever, but they're like basically all being kept in this hole yeah. in the ground that goes down for miles and miles and miles, and there's like this feeding hierarchy that I guess the people at the top get really good food and then they just drop scraps and by the time you get all the way down to the bottom of this thing these people are like fucking starving and shit I don't know it sounds really fucking intense yeah so Mm. 
And then the top trending TV show is Westworld. This is by no surprise. It might be our last days. So people are trying to figure out alternate realities. It's true. So, it's I mean, true. trying and to figure out your shit. Just kicked off with their current season. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've been a fan of the show. Yeah. It, it, it's had its little up and down moments. But overall, I've been a fan. I, yeah. I like it. So. Yeah, I, I've never checked it out so i <laughs> i should probably should yeah fandy newton alone man it's worth it yeah. she, she's she's brilliant so mm-hmm. and then the top trending person is mark bloom from crocodile dundee uh is he the one that just recently passed away? i believe so yeah so it makes sense i mean we talked about in the interview uh with bradley gallo that when people pass away they go automatically to number one i mean um luke perry did it so many other people did it so by no surprise, uh, but rest in peace. You are amazing. You're great. Yes. I, I can't follow up on that. You can't follow up on that. No. It is what it is. It is what it is. But anyway, guys, this is our show. Yes, it's been a little shortened, but it's okay because, I mean, industry slowed down. The industry has slowed down, but we are still here for you because I'll be there for you <laughs> when the rain starts to pour, even when there's corona. You know who won't be there? McDreamy. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, it's okay. One day, one day, we got a response this time, guys. It's we got a response. True. We it's reached true. out. We've reached out many times before, and we actually got a response. And they had to respectfully decline this time, but they had the conversation. They had the conversation it's about true. the ant. It's true. So, You're not going to give up on McDreamy. I'm not. Never. He's a busy guy, though. Yeah, like he's got sure. like two new shows, two kinds of things. We get it. Yeah, but. He's not giving up. No, I'm not. not. Another month, two months, I'm going to be reaching back out. So be expecting my email. Um, But yes, thank you guys for tuning into the episode. Crazy Ant Media is amazing, of course. Uh, Thank you to our guest, uh, this guy. This guy who shoots Patrick Dempsey all the time. (laughs) Michael Uh, O'Neill. Michael O'Neill. You won't even say his name. You're still so mad at him. It's just like. It's angry. He's going to make it up to us, but it's fine. That's right. You heard. He said. He told you personally he would make it up to you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But whatever. Make sure to follow him on social media. He's a great guy. He really is. Good old Southern boy. We love him. Uh, Be sure to follow the company on social media, at Crazy Ant Media. We are anywhere and everywhere. Be sure to follow us both personally on social media, myself, at JLO fantastic and crazy and guy 1970 that's right and be sure to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, watch us on youtube and so many more and be sure to visit our website crazyantmedia.com where you can rock the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear and we're revamping the website like every other day it seems like because we're putting new shit out there for all of you, all of our crazy ant viewers and followers and lovers to see. Whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all of our crazy ant lovers. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but yeah, be sure to check out the Ravens Vision teaser trailer. It's up there now. It's got its own page. It's true. And we're going to be making a weekly address page as well. So check out our weekly address. Stay up to date with crazy ant media and everything we do in the company. Um, but it, it's been a fun show. It's it has been a, fun, been a fun show. And okay. I mean, I think my favorite part was Sweet Victory um, and Super Bowl coming to Nickelodeon. No, I love Sweet Victory. I love SpongeBob. No. 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 What about you? What about you? What was your favorite part? 
Uh, well, if I'm going to be honest about it, the most exciting news, I thought, was definitely Stabler coming back. Yeah. I did enjoy talking about Stabler coming back. I, it's been too long. I've yeah. always been a fan. So I was super pumped about that. And you know me. I mean, I love the top five because I'm a geek. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a comic book geek. Makes sense. I, I got to love the superheroes, bro. Yeah, makes gotta sense. Got to love it. You got the Dark Knight right behind you. It's like brooding right it's behind you. Right it's like there. It's always on my desk, man. Always. He's always watching out for me. Always, always. But you, I wonder if the one and only is a uh, superhero fan. Mm. Uh, we should ask her when she comes on the show. It's true. We should. But we love you. Oh, bro! Oh, bro!